sourcing for innovation, making sense of the rapidly changing worlds of artificial intelligence, workforce development, and digital transformation. Sourcing for Innovation. This is episode 18. My name is Adam Curtis. Joining me on the phone today is Les Grove. He's a manager in our Agile PMO here at Catalyte. Les, good afternoon. Hi, Adam. Good afternoon to you, too. Now, we're talking with you today because you are our Agile assessment, Agile training guru, and we wanted to pick your brain on some of the ways in which organizations can better understand really their agile environment, their team environment, both in terms of where they stand in an agile transformation process, how they can overcome impediments to getting to where they want to be, what agile state they want to be, and then also best ways in which organizations can really assess their agile teams on both a team-by-team, but also a holistic organizational level as well. Uh, as we know, there's always going to be impediments for an organization either transitioning into Agile or even once you are Agile to continue down that path. Can you tell us, you know, what are some of the, the biggest or most challenging impediments that you see organizations struggling with uh, on this road to Agile? What we want to do is when we bring in developers from the outside, uh, each developer has their own kind of background and a way that they probably have done Agile in the past. And so one of the impediments to Agile is everybody kind of does things different and, and it takes a while for kind of everybody to do things in common uh, fashion or teams will start going off on tangents and, and start doing things a little different. So you might have a situation where teams are uh, kind of doing their own version of things, which is usually fine because teams want to improve uh, themselves as they move forward, but at the same time, they also start might uh, start picking up bad habits, and that can be uh, very um, detrimental to the organization. The other thing is product ownership. At Catalyte, we do a lot of work where the product owners are uh, with our clients, and uh, because they do things their own way, we have to adopt to the way they do things, and it's not always. Uh, what is prescribed in Scrum or Agile, and we have to either inform them or work with them to do their job better and, and provide what the team needs, the team's need for uh, doing that role. Now, that sounds a little bit contradictory to me. So walk me through this process. You want an organization to have some fundamental or some core understanding of what Agile looks like across the entire organization. But then if you are working with these, you know, different product ownerships um, at different client sites or on different projects, you also need to be flexible. So how do you how do you balance those two of having core principles, but yet being able to uh, adapt to when the situation calls for it? Well, at the at the team level, it, it's it's fine to adapt. It's just that uh, sometimes if you're not following the framework or not following uh, certain principles, then you are not going to get the benefit of having a central product owner, which is, you know, somebody who is, you know, the single throat to choke, as the saying goes. Um, you might have more than, you know, one person involved in the decision making, and that's not what Agile prescribes. So that's the, what we try to do is, is make sure that the principles are being followed. The way you follow the principles can be customized. Got it. 
And are there ways in which you can really identify these these rogue teams or you know instances that might be outside of the norm before they cause disruption? Well, most of the industry relies on things called agile coaches, and you know, Catalyte has done agile coaching in the past. And um, one thing that we, you know, agile coaches do is we'll look at teams and we'll sit with the teams and observe the teams and find out what they're what they're doing and not doing and make recommendations. So that is one way of finding out uh, if the team is is uh, meeting the uh, requirements of the framework and um, doing things well, and the coach can give advice to the team to help them improve. That sounds like it might be kind of hard to scale, though. If you're at a, you know, an organization with maybe a couple dozen teams, that's fine. Or if you're going to a couple hundred teams or more, are you having an agile coach for each team? Or are they responsible for multiple teams? Or is there a different way in which you need to make those assessments at that enterprise level? Yeah, so another way besides doing the coaching is an Agile assessment, and that's something that an Agile coach can help the team uh, work through. Either the coach keeps the assessment to themselves and asks questions of the, of the various teams, or you can send out the assessment as kind of like a questionnaire or survey to kind of get um, a, a, an idea as to what the teams are and aren't doing. And then um, if you're you know, trying to scale this, you can send this out to multiple teams and then compile the information, compare teams and see, you know, what teams are, um, how much of the team or how much, what percentage the teams are actually um, executing the principles of the framework and where there might be patterns where most teams or all teams are not following certain principles. How does that work comparing teams that are working under different frameworks? Is that something that's hard to do, or do you need to readjust the assessment for those particular situations, or do you keep it the same? Like we talked about before, teams are going to do things a little bit differently, which means that, you know, after several sprints, they're going to find better ways to improve. What we want to make sure is that they don't um, start violating the principles and therefore um, not become as productive as as they could be or as agile as they could be. So no matter what particular flavor of agile that um, the team may adopt and, and, and modify for their particular purpose, it could be that some teams might start not following certain principles and those would need to be corrected. Now, if that pattern is being followed across many teams, then there might be some sort of organizational impediment that's preventing teams from achieving that principle of agility. It could be something around training. It could be something around the tools that they use. It could be around uh, various number of, of things that can impact teams that are uh, actually rooted in the organization rather than the team's ability to get things done. So it gives you really two levels of insight. It gives you that very basic team level that you know agile coach or, or team lead can assess but then it sounds like you need someone sitting over multiple teams to get that organizational or enterprise view who is the right person or persons to sort of compile the data uh, and to look at the bigger picture in these circumstances well at catalyte it's the agile coaching center of excellence and so we have been spearheading um, our um, agility 
assessment tool and have evolved it over uh, a year and a half to try to get a, a feel for how agile Catalyte is. How's that been? What is the, you know, have there been any surprises in, in digging into the data? I think there's, there, there've been a lot of surprises and, and some things that we knew, but we put it in, we put numbers attached to it so we can actually um, over time measure it as, as we make improvements. And we've given some of this data to the other centers of excellence, like we have a quality center of excellence and a, and a DevOps center of excellence. And we've, we've assessed those areas and passed that information, that data onto those uh, COEs so, so they can make improvements. And what sort of improvements would they be able to to draw from these assessments? So things like um, automated testing. You know, some teams um, would like to do more automated automated testing, and uh, didn't, we didn't necessarily realize to what extent automated testing uh, was being performed inconsistently across Catalyte. A lot of it is driven by the clients. But sometimes, you know, the, the this kind of data we can actually take, take to our clients and uh, show them, you know, where some teams at Catalyte are, for example, doing the automated testing. And because that they're doing this activity, um, they're re- re- achieving this benefit. And so, therefore, it, it becomes an opportunity to have that conversation with the client and maybe inform them as to what they are perhaps missing out on. Now walk us through the Catalyte assessment that y- you helped t- to create. Uh, what kind of questions does it look to uh, answer? And who is involved in collecting those responses? And are we fairly confident with the level of, I guess, self-reporting that's coming from the teams? Yeah, so originally when we uh, did our first assessment, it was a Word document that uh, we asked them basic questions and the team would answer them together. And it, we used a Likert scale, something, you know, something along the lines of, you know, whether they did an activity, you know, always, mostly, sometimes, or never. And we covered um, some uh, basic um, uh, topics. So things like team integrity, which is the ability for a team to get its work done without external external interference. Uh, Retrospectives, we felt that it was a very important activity that the team needs to do. Uh, Requirements, which is the basis of all work uh, done in in software engineering. Uh, Backlog management, this is related to how the product owner and the team are working together. And refactoring, which was a, a technical area that we kind of we're kind of interested in. So we started out with, uh, with those five topics, created a Word document and sent it out to the teams, and they would just kind of fill it out by hand. Um, we got some feedback on that, and uh, it became a lot of work to uh, compile all, all that data, so we moved it to a spreadsheet, and we were able to do some scoring on that, and so we were able to sign some scores and create some charts so we actually now have uh, numbers that we can assign to uh, the abilities of the various teams. And so from that, we evolved to uh, a Google form. So we went to, rather than having the team fill something out, and you know that has some drawbacks, uh, like having strong voices in the room kind of carry and kind of weight maybe the scores. And then you know there was a tendency of groupthink to think that everybody's doing pretty good without necessarily hearing those um, maybe quiet voices that know that, know that something is um, not quite right. So we went into a survey form and did Google Forms and did surveys and, 
And then we actually saw the numbers starting to uh, kind of spread out even within the teams. So it might be a, 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 a factor of, you know, some team mem- members not be, even being aware that activities are taking place or some p- team members not actually participating in all the practices. And so uh, we later found uh, a commercial tool that pretty much did what our homegrown tool did. And the um, tool is called Comparative Agility. It's, a, it's been around for about 10 years. It, was, uh, it does a lot of the survey work and uh, d- data compile- compilations that uh, we do. And um, we've been using it for, I'd say, about six months now with, with success. And the advantage of that tool has over uh, doing a lot of the stuff by hand is we can actually get a better um, vision of how teams have improved because we can compare a team with how they performed in the past. We can compare a team with how they're doing against the, with the rest of Catalyte. We can see how Catalyte has improved overall. So um, that is one advantage of having a, a commercial tool that um, gives you that visibility. And this is something that we've taken to Catalyte Management and, and shown. We've shared that with the various COEs and other managers. And it's created a lot of good conversations about you know, what's important to Catalyte and what's not important to Catalyte. Things like pair programming and test-driven development. And, and those are the the kinds of conversations that something like an assessment tool can generate. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. How has this been received both internally, which you answered, and then also for the clients? It must be both um, a comfort for the developers to be able to share this in um, a way in which to provide honest feedback. It also has to be good on the client side to know, you know, what has improved in terms of the um, production of a team, but then also for them to be aware of some spaces where uh, they might not have known before that this could be improved or that this needed to be improved. It gives some, I guess, sunshine to what might be a little bit more of a, um, a hard to figure out circumstance. Right, and you know, when we share it with the, the various teams, we rely on the, the project manager to kind of guide uh, that conversation during maybe their retrospective or have a separate meeting on the ways the team can kind of improve. And they, they have the data as, you know, here's how we did the, you know, this month and this is what we did a few months ago. And we've improved here and we've gone down here. What has changed? And you know, they can also compare themselves to the rest of Catalyte and find out and have discussions about why are they not doing this as, as much as their peers or you know what are they doing that is better than their peers that maybe they should be sharing with their peers. So it's a lot of good information in there. Now the model that we have at Catalyte, is that something that if you were advising another organization looking to get into this sort of assessment to take it up exactly from there or is this a process that organizations need to go through like Catalyte did and start at one point and sort of evolve it to meet their particular needs? That's a great question and I don't know the answer for maybe other organizations. I mean going through the process that we went through took a a long time and a lot of trial and error but on the good on the good side of things you know we kind of when we got to the commercial tool we kind of knew what we wanted and this commercial tool kind of aligned with that i think it'd be very hard to you know state up front that you want a commercial tool and go find the commercial tool because the trouble with these tools are they have uh, kind of an ideal 
that they, you know, the tool makers believe you should attain. And uh, we kind of went through that process and found the tool that aligned with us as opposed to the other way around. And um, going forward, we'd like to customize this tool, not to the point where we can change the questions because then we lose that comparative um, part, but we want to emphasize the things that are important to us and de-emphasize the things that are not important to us. So if we can get it pared down to some essential elements that we feel are important, we'd probably be able to get more data as opposed to a lot of data that we don't want to process. And I think final question before we let you go, the ultimate benefit or, you know, an organization that's looking to implement an assessment like this, they're going to be looking for like time savings, money savings. How is this assessment going to help them with those sorts of business goals? If an organization really wants to embrace agility, they have to know how agile they are. And there's lots of ways to, to, to measure that, whether it be kind of a maturity assessment or the, a new term is called fluency. Um, but the idea is that you want your teams to be as agile as possible because agility provides the ability to respond to change and um, the market changes constantly and we know that upfront planning is, is is bad because we end up with something that misses the mark so when dealing with you know providing a product that is more likely to be something that the customer wants I think there's value in that um, reducing the amount of waste and chasing something and and doing work that is not being asked uh, by the market I think there's advantages to that and getting something out to market a lot faster even though it may not be everything that you know the market wants but at least something so you can get some feedback and learn more about the market i think all three of those things are are very important that that companies should be looking for les grove thank you so much for this conversation for helping organizations really fill in their agile potholes. And if you're listening and want to know more of Les's thoughts, he has a blog on this topic as well. It's up at catalyte.io. Just go to the news and ideas section. 